You are listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about the church, you can reach us at www.bethelassembly.info. Let me say one more thing before I jump on the message. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah. Men, I encourage you to spoil your wives today. In fact, I tried to find as many men as I could this morning and to kind of throw them off base. I told them Happy Mother's Day just to see how they respond. It's always fun to watch the face, especially when they're teenage boys and they're like, what? But Happy Mother's Day, moms. We are glad that we have a day to honor you and to, to bless you because you just do all, you put up with a lot of stuff. I'm just saying. I'm not going to take the time to go into that, but you do. Sometimes raising your kids and then raising your husbands as well is a task all on its own. And every mom said amen. amen. All right. Well, again, welcome this morning. This is going to be an awesome day. I'm super excited about today. We are wrapping up a series that we've been in for several weeks. We've been in for six weeks, a series that we're simply calling My Family Circus. Let me ask you a question. If I told you this morning that I could show you the source to the majority, if not all, of your family issues, would you be interested to know what it was? If I told you this morning that I could give you the solution to the conflicts in your crazy family circus, would you be interested in hearing the results? I would venture to say that every one of us would. That's what I want to talk about this morning. You see, as we wrap up this series called My Family Circus, I'm not going to give you the top 10 ways to, to fix your family. Society tries to do that. I guarantee you, if you went on Google this morning and you typed in, how do I fix my family, you would find all sorts of top 10 lists. These are the things that you need to do. But this morning, I want to look at it from a slightly different angle. In fact, our text is found in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. And it says, and I will give you a new heart. Look at your neighbor and say, do you need a new heart? And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender heart responsive heart. You see, I believe that the majority of the issues in the household in America is a heart issue. We are in need of a heart change. For the past five weeks, we've been processing through this series called My Family Circus. We've learned to look at the family and our relationships from God's viewpoint and If you're really honest with yourself, and if I'm honest with myself, I would venture to say that this circus that I have is a big old circus every day. Every day is a a brand new adventure. But really, if we want to figure out how to lead our families, we've got to get to the root of the issue. If this is your first time being here, let me encourage you, grab a hold of the podcast Grab a hold of the the website, listen to the services, go back over the last five weeks and process through with us what does it mean to really lead and guide this family that God has entrusted you with. Because you see, in the very beginning, God created the family. Listen carefully. In the very beginning, God created the family. Look at Genesis chapter 1. 
In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And then one day at a time, he created this, he created that, and he created man in his own image. And he realized it wasn't good for man to be by himself. So he created woman to be his helpmate, to walk side by side with him. He created the family unit. They were in complete harmony. Has your house ever been in complete harmony? Sometimes between midnight and 6 a.m., Those are the moments of complete harmony. But then we all wake up, and the circus begins. You see, they were at peace with themselves. They were at peace with God. They were at peace with one another. They were living in paradise. The word Eden literally means delights. They lived in the place of delights. Everything was going great. Everything was wonderful, not an issue in life. It was a glorious morning every time they rose. It was a glorious day all day long as they walked through the beautiful garden of Eden. But then something happened. Something changed the course for all time. Something happened. Sin into the world. Sin changed the course of history forever. In fact, Genesis chapter 3 verse 6 says this, so she, or Eve, took some of the fruit and ate it, then she gave it to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened. They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Adam and Eve were real people, they were dealing with Real issues, and because of their disobedience, sin into the world. Ever since then, this world has been full of problems. Why? Because this planet that we live on is full of evil. Everywhere you look, everywhere you turn, sin is running rampant. Nothing is perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. No relationship is perfect. Things don't work right. Things fall apart. Everything is damaged. The result of sin is this world has problems. Anybody else realize that this morning? So we, the circus performers, the the ringmasters of our own circus... We've attempted time and time again to resolve the issue. We begin to work at the symptoms of the problem. But what I found out is we have to get below the surface if we really want to make a difference, make a lasting impact in our homes. You see, if I was to go out in my yard and and I was to see the weeds in the yard... And I thought, you know what, I'm going I'm to resolve the issue. I'm going to cut every one of their weeds off right at ground level. Would that fix my issue? No, the weeds are going to come back up. What I've got to do is get below the surface and remove the roots. Several years ago, we thought it would be a good idea. We had an outdoor 90-gallon fish pond with koi in it. It was really, really pretty. and We thought it would be a really good idea to put ivy around that fish pond. And they told us it would take three or four years for the ivy really to take root, for really to take off. So I would only need to plant a few of them because it would, it would in a few years, cover everything. Well, I thought, you know what, if, if a few is okay, then a lot would be great. So I put a lot of little shoots of ivy all over the place. Can I just tell you, that was a thorn in my flesh. 
because that ivy went crazy. So one summer I thought, you know what, I'm tired of trimming ivy about every week or so. So I began pulling up and the roots of that ivy went down deep. And I had to get every single root because if I didn't remove the root, the ivy would come back. We've tried to resolve our issues with a myriad of surface level fixes. We've tried to solve it by having political change, changing what we do, setting laws. If we say that people can do this or people can't do that, then surely that will fix the issue. We've tried educational resolutions. If I can just change what people know, if I can give them greater knowledge, if I can give them greater understanding, then maybe, just maybe, that will resolve the issue. If we give parents parenting classes, if we do this to process through, if we give them greater education, then maybe, just maybe, that will resolve the issue in this family circus. We've tried material possessions. We change what people have. We make more money. We buy more stuff. We try psychological changes, changing how people feel. If you can just feel better about yourself, if you can feel better about somebody else, if you can feel better about your situation or your circumstance, and maybe, just maybe, that will resolve the issue. We've tried sociological resolutions. We change how people relate. If you can figure out how to get along with those around you, then maybe that will resolve the issue. We've even tried biological change, changing our bodies, changing how we look, changing how we appear going on the latest diets, the latest fad. We've tried all of these things and many of them are vitally important. Many of them are great things, but they do not reach into the root cause of the problem. They don't resolve the issue because they just work on the surface. They don't deal with a human being directly. They simply work on the symptom of the problem. See, if we really want to have a resolution, we've got to change the hearts. Look back at our text. And I will give you a new heart. The Bible doesn't say, and and I will, I'll dress up your current hearts. I'll make it really, really pretty. I'll gussy it up real nice like. No, 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 no. He says, I will give you a new heart. I will place inside of you a new spirit. I'll take out the stony, stubborn heart. And I ask you today, is your heart non-responsive? Is your heart non-responsive? Have you come to that place where your heart is broken? Where your heart is damaged? It's barely beating. You see, the heart represents the very core of who you are. We've tried all of these surface resolutions, but what I've come to find out is our solution is biblical. The solution is a changed heart. It's God's way of resolving the issue. It's God's way of fixing the problem. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, the Bible says this, let God transform you. Let God do the renewing. 
It's not the amount of money that you have. It's not the amount of figuring out education that you have. Those things are, are needed. They're, they're vital. But it's letting God fix you on the inside. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. It starts with the hearts. And I love the cry of the psalmist David. In Psalm chapter 51, he says, Create in me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit. Lord, that's all I want is, is I want you to create something brand new in me. How many of you ever get tired of what you are? I had somebody ask me last night, they said, Pastor, do you ever mess up? I said, absolutely not. <laughs> Never. No, 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 no. My response was this, of course. I'm human. I get so tired of me. I get so tired of this faulty life. I was reading through my sermon this morning and processing through, getting myself ready for today, and I got stuck on this place. God, create in me a clean heart, Lord. Place inside of me a right spirit. That word right literally means a constant spirit, a firm spirit, a spirit that's not giving in to temptation. God, let that be me today. Lord, place inside of me a right spirit. Lord, change this old, stony, stubborn heart. God, replace this old, non-responsive heart. God, place, replace this damaged heart with your heart today. Lord, I want a clean spirit. God, I want a new life. Lord, I want what you have for me. What we're talking about is getting to the root of the problem. Each of these other things, they're okay, but they don't fix the roots. This morning, I want to take the time, and and if you'll trek with me, if you'll walk through this with me, I want to process through a personal examination. And I would encourage you today, grab a hold of this. Now, now maybe you're here and you're thinking, Pastor, this is Mother's Day. Why aren't we talking about, you know, the, the... Proverbs 31, woman, why aren't we talking about, you know, grabbing a hold of motherhood and and raising godly children? It starts in the heart. Man, I begin to process, God, what would you have us to talk about today as we wrap up this series on the family? And and it's Mother's Day and it's great timing to wrap up a series. And God, how can I really focus in on the family today? And God said, deal with the hearts. If you want to be a better mom, deal with the hearts. If you want to be a better wife, deal with the hearts. That's the resolution to all the problems. I can talk about the Proverbs 31 woman if you want, but that's not going to solve the issue. That's going to deal with the surface. She rises early in the morning. She prepares all of these things. She's got everything set for her family. We can do that, but that doesn't resolve the issue. If you get up early in the morning to prepare for your family, all you're going to be is tired at the end of the day. Right? But if you begin to deal with the hearts, if you begin to work down deep inside, then God's going to mold you and shape you. God's going to lead this family circus to a brand new place. Create in me 
A clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit. Remove a, a, a renew a, a firm, a constant, a non-wavering spirit in me. I encourage you today, grab a hold of this process as we move through the, a self-evaluation of our circus. You know, any time that we as a church do a, a large outreach or a, a big project of some sort, or really, quite honestly, every Monday we reevaluate Sunday and we figure out what worked and what didn't work. Now, some of you may think, well, Pastor, why do you guys do that? Because I believe that God deserves the best. God deserves excellence in everything we do. So, so if we take the time to evaluate these type of things, outreaches and endeavors and services, how much more do we need to evaluate what's happening inside of us? I want you to listen very carefully today, and hopefully you're taking very good notes. Four steps. Number one, understand that God knows your hearts. God knows your hearts. Proverbs chapter 5 says this, Mark well that God doesn't miss a move you make. He's aware of every step you take. God knows every detail of your life. The Bible says he knows the number of hairs on your head. For some of you, that's easier than others. I'm just saying. He knows all of the details. He doesn't miss a single moment of your life. Nothing is secret from God. Absolutely nothing. You can't hide it from him. He's not surprised. If you mess up, he doesn't go, huh, I thought they conquered that. He already knows what you're dealing with in life. There are no secrets from God. Let me, let me be honest with you. Does that ever bother you? You guys are afraid to answer. Let me answer for you. Yes. There are times that I wish, God, I wish you wouldn't have seen that. Lord, Lord I, I wish you wouldn't have, have grabbed a hold of what I just did or what I just thought or what just happened in this situation. I wish that just for a moment I could put a bubble around myself and somehow I could hide that moment from God. Yeah? But God knows everything about you. We all have those things that we wish that we could keep from him, but he already knows them. A lot of people think that they're fooling God somehow that they can mask things and somehow he doesn't see the situations, but he does. He sees right through everything you do. And here's what I love about God. He knows everything about me and he still loves me. <laughs> he loves everything or he knows everything about you and he still loves you. That's incredible. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, one of my favorite scriptures. I feel like I say that all the time, but it's the truth. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still stupid. That's my own translation, by the way. No, while we were still sinners, while we were still messing up, while we were still fooling around in the stupidity of life, God sent Jesus, even though he knew full well that we would continue to make mistakes, that we will fall short. You see, our, our desire should be, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Lord, renew in me a right spirit. Lord, 
My desire is to draw a line in the sand and and move forward with you, God. I want to be more like you today than I was yesterday. God, tomorrow I want to be even more like you than I am today. Lord, let every day that I have, let every step that I take, let every beat of my heart bring me one step closer to you. God knows everything about you, every detail of your life, yet he still chooses to love you. He loves you despite your mess-ups. He loves you despite your failures, despite your thought process. He loves you despite your behavior. He loves you more than anything. I know that I've said this hundreds of times. Let me say it again. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more this morning. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. God loves you unconditionally. He knows everything about you, yet he still loves you. Some of you struggle with that this morning. Some of you know you way too well. And you struggle with the idea, God just can't love me. Because I'm not as good as this person. I'm not as good as that person. I'm not quite as good as them. There's no way that God can love me. So then we get into the old comparison game. I'm better than them, not quite as good as them. I'm greater than them, but I really fall short from them. So I'm really in the middle, so I'm average. So average means good. So average means I'm okay with God. Right? We try to justify our actions. We try to justify our behaviors. But the fact of the matter is this. We all fall short. Whether you fall short a little bit or you fall short a lot, we all fall short. So we all need Jesus. So while we were still in need, he sent Jesus to die for us. Why? Because he loves us. It all comes back to the condition of the hearts. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this idea that that God knows every detail of my life? What do we do with this idea that he knows everything that I do, that he knows every thought that I have, that he knows every action, that I can't hide anything from him? What do we do with that? Well, our second step is this. Examine your hearts. If you were at work today and you knew that your boss was going to come and evaluate your work performance on Tuesday. I would venture to say that on Monday, you would make sure that every T was crossed and every I was dotted and every bug was out of the corner and and everything was swept up and everything was tip-top shape, yes? You would do an examination of what was in front of you, of what you were in charge of, of the responsibility that you had before your boss came. So why don't we do that with our own hearts? Why don't we take that responsibility serious? Mom? Dad? You see, we've got to examine our hearts. Second Corinthians says, examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, guess what? You failed the test. If Jesus isn't there, you failed. 
heart represents the real you. Who you are to the very core. But here's what I've discovered. God is not interested in reforming your manners. He's not interested in changing the way you look. He's concerned about changing the heart of sinners like you and me. Purity cannot come from cleaning up your conduct. Purity cannot come even from changing and the results of a rigorous rule-keeping moments. Jesus said this way, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the hearts. There's got to be a heart change. See, we've got to do this examination. What's going on deep down inside? Now listen carefully. I don't care if you've been in church for 50 years or if this is the first time you're here. Every one of us need to do a heart transplant. Every one of us need a change. I mean, you take your car in for regular tune-ups. You take your car in for oil changes. Maybe you've had it for 20 years, but you still get the oil changed. You still look at that 100-point checkup that the, that the auto place does on your car. Why don't we do that in our lives? But it's not enough just to do the exam. See, every once in a while, when I get the oil changed on my car, I'll get a call from the dealership, and they're like, hey, you know, as we were doing the checkup on your car, we discovered that this is happening, that, that this filter needs change, or that this is occurring in your car, and you might want to check that out, or hey, the next time around, your tires might need to be changed, or this or that. What would happen if I just listened to them and went, eh, I don't think so. I know there's no tread on the tires left at all, but it'll be all right. What's going to happen? I'm going to have a blowout going down the road. See, the same thing happens in your life. You do that examination, you realize that that heart has become a little stony. You realize there's some cracks in that heart. You realize that heart is now non-responsive, but you're thinking, you know what? In time, it'll work itself out. It'll be okay. That's not how this works. Ezekiel says, and I will give you a brand new heart. It's time to place that new heart as you replace that old stony one with the new tender one. There's got to be... Some work on our part. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves. It doesn't say let God purify you. It doesn't say let your pastor purify you. It doesn't say let your spouse or your friend purify you. But it says take responsibility for what's happening on the inside of your life. Deal with what's occurring in the heart. Purify yourself. Look at your neighbor and say, I can't do it for you. you got to purify yourself. Come on, tell them again. I can't do this for you. you got to purify yourself. Let us purify ourselves from everything. Wow, that's a big word all-inclusive, everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of the reverence for God. Look at that word, everything. Everything that contaminates. What are the everythings that contaminate who you are? Have you ever made a list of them? Boy, that'd be an ugly list, wouldn't it? 
Many of us would be scared to make that list. What are the contaminants in our lives? What are the roadblocks in our lives? What are the things that trip us up in life? What an ugly, ugly list that would be. What is it that stunts the purity in your heart? What's causing the stony, stubborn, non-responsive hearts in your life? Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's gluttony, and I hesitated to say that since we went to Charlie's last night and I ate more than any of us should ever eat. But I put it on the list anyway. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's anger or gossip. Oh, we we try to avoid that one. Maybe it's you're too controlling. Maybe it's you can't handle, you begin lying and You can't seem to tell the truth. Maybe it's stealing. Maybe it's foul language. Maybe it's an affair. Maybe you're just quarrelsome. You're bitter. You're a troublemaker. Oh, pastor, now you're getting personal. (laughs) What are the contaminants in your life? What is it that's happening inside of you that's not like the image of God? You were created in the image of God. The problem is we've tainted that image. Let me walk over here and tell this group. The problem is we've tainted that image. We've taken what God created as holy. Be holy because He is holy. We've taken that image that He created us to be. We've taken that reflection that He wants us to be. And we've tainted it with all sorts of contaminants. What is that that you need to place on your list today? I challenge you. Do an exam. Check your life out. God, what's happening on the inside of me? Create in me a clean heart. Lord, what is it that needs to be removed? God, what is it that I need to do in my life? Lord, what is it that I've tainted your image with? We can't stop at the examination. Look at our third step. Realize that only God can change your hearts. Only God. And I will give you a tender, responsive heart. God says, I will give you the transplants you need. Have you cried out to him, God, create in me a clean heart? What we're talking about here is not just the absence of corruption, What we're talking about here is not just the absence of contaminants. What we're talking about this morning is the fullness of God's Spirit within us. What's in the heart will come out of the mouth. What's transferring on here will come out to the outside. When the pressure sets in, when it really gets tough, what's inside is going to squish out. You don't believe that. Go home and take a bunch of grapes. Put them in your hand, hold them over your head, and squeeze. When the pressure is on those grapes, guess what comes out? Juice. In your life, when the pressure comes on, what's coming out? 
Create in me a clean heart, oh God. We're not just talking about removing the contaminants. We're talking about replacing it with the fullness of God's Spirit. But only God can do that. We have the work to do. We've got to purify ourselves. But only God can do the full heart transplants. I have never, never read, even on Google, I've never read about a person doing a heart transplant on themselves. Not once. If you have, please show me that article because that's going to be absolutely incredible. But I've never heard of somebody going, okay, first we need to crack the sternum. Let's spread it open. Oh, that's perfect. That's great. Okay, now let's go in. Let's grab a hold of the heart. Pull that one out. Snip it. Now, by the way, I have no clue how to do a heart transplant. Do not try this at home. I don't know how this works. Some of you right now are Googling, can someone do a heart transplant on themselves? No, you can't. <laughs> Same thing happens spiritually. We need God. In fact, Romans chapter 8 says it this way. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscles, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them. Living and breathing God. Lord, it's your breath in my lungs. Lord, Lord, it's your breath that gives me life. Lord, it's your breath that, that changed out that old stony stubborn heart and puts life into the new tender responsive heart. Lord, it's, it's your breath inside of me that helps me to be who you've called me to be. It's, it's a process of a real heart change. And it begins by understanding who we are. A sinner in need of God's grace. Anybody else a sinner in need of God's grace? Oh, but the grace of God. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I used to be corrupt by this, but I've been set free. I used to be bound by that, but now I'm set free. I used to be this, but by the grace of God, I am more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. What we need this morning, church, is not more religion. What we need this morning is not a better outfit to wear on Sunday. What we need today is a deeper relationship with God. What we need today is a heart transplant. What we need today is to look at the root of the problem and let God take care of us. What we need today is more of Jesus and less of us. Because what's on the inside can't help but to transfer to the outside. The Bible says when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Again, Jesus didn't come to make you a nice, religious, church-going person. Did you know that? I want you to listen carefully to that. Jesus did not die on the cross to make you a nice, church-going, religious person. He died on the cross to make you right in the eyes of God. What's your heart look like this morning? 
Mom? I know this is not morbid, but if you were to die on the way home, where would you spend eternity? Well, I'm a good person. I'm even nice to that person at Walmart that cuts me off with the cart. I'm not asking if you're a good person. I'm asking, have you had a heart transplant? Have you given yourself to Christ? I'm not asking, are you a good religious church-going person? I'm asking, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you allowed Him to give you a tender, responsive heart? Have you allowed Him to place inside of you a right spirit? Dad, what about you? God wants to do that change in you today. Look at step number four. We know that God knows everything about us. We do the personal examination on our lives. We realize that only God is the one that can do that. We can't do it by ourselves. But what's the fourth step? Strive for integrity in your life. Now look, I said strive. Because we all sin. We all fall short. That's not an excuse. That doesn't give us permission. Oh, I gave my life to Christ in 1974 and I've lived however I wanted ever since because by the grace of God I'm saved. What? You see, a heart of God will want to do what honors and pleases God. Are you grabbing a hold of this? Yes, grace is more than enough. I get that. But that doesn't give you an excuse to live like the devil. If you're really a child of God, you're going to want to follow after God. You're going to strive for integrity in your life. Proverbs chapter 101 says this, I will be careful to live a blameless life. Let me be honest with you. This was a hard scripture. I'll be careful to live a blameless life. I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. I will refuse to look at anything that is vile or vulgar. I will reject perverse ideas and stay away from evil, every evil. It's hard because... The flesh wants what the flesh wants. We talked about the contaminants. Lying, gossip, bitterness, lust, gluttony. The list goes on and on. But can you make this declaration today, God, well, not only do I want you to place inside of me a tender, responsive heart, but God, I'm making this determination. I'm going to do everything I can to live a blameless life. Lord, I want to do everything I can to live a life of integrity. Lord, I want to do everything I can to lead this family circus that you put put me in front of. God, I want to be the best mom I can be. I want to be the best dad I can be. I refuse, I refuse, I refuse to let the evil of this world to contaminate my life. Lord, I draw a line in the sand. And I ask you today, how are you leading your circus? 
Are you leading with integrity? Are you leading by example or by words alone? I believe that God is interested more in a heart change than he is a costume party. See, if dressing up or if putting on a mask really works, then why haven't we seen the change in our culture? Because for years, for years, Americans have dressed up. For years, Americans have put on that mask, that Sunday morning mask. And yet we watch our society literally go to hell in a handbasket. Oh, but we come in and we do church. God's not interested in a costume party. He's interested in a changed heart. Changing what's happening on the inside. It's time. You must take action. For too long we've sat on the sideline. We've allowed the devil to kick us like a, like a dog. It's time to stand your ground. In any other natural setting, we would defend ourselves. So why do we give Satan the upper hand? Two scriptures I want to read to you. James chapter 4. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The next verse says, quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner self. Quit playing the field. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Notice it says inner life. When you give God control of yourself, when you give God control of you, He begins on the inside by renewing what's happening on the inside. So I ask you this question today What's the condition of your hearts? Mom? What's the condition of your heart on this Mother's Day? Dad, what's the condition of your heart? Some of you have come here with a broken heart. It's hurting. You're broken on the inside. Some of you have come here with a hard heart. It's consumed with bitterness. It's stony. It's stubborn. It's non-responsive. Nothing will break through. You built up the walls. Not even your spouse. Not even your friends. Nobody can break through. It's a stony, stubborn heart. You're critical. Nothing seems good. Some of you have a divided heart. You come in here on Sunday and you serve Him. You, you lift up your hands. You give Him praise. But you go out of these doors and Monday you're a whole different person. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You're a divided heart. You're trying to please so many different people. You act one way with one group of people and you act another way with another group of people. A divisive heart. I've come today to tell you this. Stop pretending. Stop playing games. Stop pretending you're happy when you're not. 
Stop pretending that you're following Christ when you're not. And I would challenge you. I would challenge you. Come to God today and say this, okay God, today's my day. Today I need a new heart. Today, God, I'm ready for a change. God, I want to be a better mom. God, I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better son. I want to be a better daughter. I want to be a better Christian. Lord, do a change in me. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Lord, renew a right spirit. You see, it's time to take back the ground that Satan has stolen, not just from you, but your family. You want to know the issue in your family? Look at the hearts. Oh, pastor, it's not me. Takes two to tango. Challenge you, look at your heart today. What kind of heart have you come into this place with? What's happening on the inside today? Would you bow your head with me?